Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome. This is Ken Roshan on Voice America Amplified channel of influencers. So here we go. We are excited because this is Labor Day. And guess what Labor Day is? We don't have to work. Doesn't make sense, does it? Seems like you'd have to work harder on Labor Day. How are you doing, Dr. Andrea? I'm doing good and I will not be working on Labor Day. I, well, I mean, I guess that's not true. We have a pool party every year. I am the pool boy. Well, pool person. So I'll be busy doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, this show is not work. It's actually changing lives and impacting the world. So that's not really work either. So I'm excited about our guest because this is a, a person I followed for quite some time and he is all about creating the better you and um, embracing people that want to step into their power and be leaders. And I'm so proud of the work he's doing and the event that coming coming up and the fact that we got to publish his book. So very excited about that. Yeah, it's a good week. It's a good week. Um, we're also celebrating the Hancock County Fair. So I'm spending most of my week at the fairgrounds, uh, seeing my kids uh, riding their horses. So it's always a big pleasure weekend for us. Uh, lots of family time. So let me uh, get our guests on camera here. Uh, Bernardo, no, I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to compete. I mean, in Maryland, we have the Maryland State Fair. And so, you know, there's going to be pigs and horses around us too. So just so you know. Around you as well. Uh, hold on just a minute. I, I'm having trouble with the video thing. It is not working for me. Here we go. All right. Let me uh, ask him to start his video and unmute. And I will introduce this fine friend of ours. Uh, so glad to see you. All right. He is the author of The Question, Find Your True Purpose, and his latest book, A Man Evolving, Confessions About Monogamy, Passion, and Broken Hearts. He's the creator of The Best You Brand, The Best You Expo, The Best You TV, and The Best You Magazine. He is the epitome of uh, the best you, isn't he? Bernardo Moya has been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, author, speaker, publisher, TV producer, and seminar promoter. He has unrivaled experience in the world of self-help. He is the architect behind the UK's biggest annual personal and professional development event, the Best You Expo, held in London and in California. And he has these global events, feature speakers, workshops from the industry's big names and leaders, and he reaches audience over 100,000, both in person and virtually. We're so glad to have you here. Bernardo, welcome to Amplified. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm very grateful to be here. You know, the chance of you making it on the show, had you chosen a different path, like having the name The Worst You and having The Worst Expo, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that it would have diminished your chances dramatically to appear on the show Amplified. So I think you really went with the right name and the right mission and purpose. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Ken. Okay. Actually, funny, I, I always use that joke because I thought, you know, do you want to become the, the worst you, the crap you? Uh, no. And I thought the best you was probably a little bit more appealing. And, and I found that no one had used that name, although... Everyone seems to say the best you can be. And yeah, so I think I, I think I was on a winner with that one. Yeah, I have a, a different slant in that joke of people saying, you know, when they, they're cooking something or they're, they're singing or something. And, and I say, ah, so you, you cook. And they're like, well, I'm not the best cook. And I say, 
well, don't worry. There's only one best cook. And they always lean into me and they say, well, who is that? And I go, I don't know, but there's 7 billion people in this planet. There's only one that's the best. So don't, don't yeah. cut yourself up too bad. But it is a, a great question to ask yourself, am I being the best me? And if you're honest with yourself, there's a big gap of where you can improve. So you help people close that gap. And that's important because on this journey called life, you might as well have the best journey, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think it's something that we all aspire to. And, uh, and uh, you know, life gets in the way and the mortgage and the payments and the bills and the school fees and whatever, uh, you know, we tend to lose focus sometimes, although, you know, I understand and appreciate a lot more people are aware of it. But uh, yeah, being congruent and becoming the best version of ourselves is, is, um, is, is a commitment that we should all have to leave the world in a better place than when we go here. Yeah, I agree with you in that part. The part about, I think we all aspire to that. I'm not so sure I do agree with that part because I think there's so many people that don't even know where that access point is or know that someone believes in them and, or, or what their capabilities are because they've never been tested. So I think you bring up a question that may be new to people, like coming to an event like that, that would surround yourself with people that are accessing that power. So I think there's a lot of people that apparently 75% of people don't know why they're here on this planet. So I think there's a lot of people that could really use this message, not just your book, not just your event, but the topic of how are you becoming your best you? Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about how you became your best you, because that's actually the topic of our dose of hope. If you look at a Ted talk, Ted talk is designed to give a technology and an access point to knowledge that maybe most people don't have access to. And I found Simon Sinek's question of how you create your why for your business to be a great launch pad for our dose of hope, which is how do you create your who? Because if you don't have a who that you love, you probably will not create a why. It just doesn't seem like it'll connect very nicely. And people that are aimlessly and hopelessly going through life, they typically don't have a purpose because they don't have a who defined as someone they're proud of or someone that is their best who. So that's what I'd like to talk about in the first segment of this program is what your who was like as a child, where you were born, and how you created a who that you love that gave you access to having a question like, I want to create an event that's called The Best You. So have at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think kind of, um, I think from my early years, I just had that sense of, of responsibility, of, of, um, of wanting to be in the driving seat. And I mean... Literally, you know, kind of. I was always the designated driver. I was the captain in the football team. Um, I used to be in charge of the of the class, you know, every year. I was a corporal in the army, you know, kind of. I always wanted to be the entrepreneur. What what, what caused it, Bernardo? I mean, something happened in your childhood that caused you to be a driver. Well, I think it, I think it was obviously I was the eldest, uh, you know. So it was only me and my brother. Um, so I, I had that sense since I was young. It was always about being in charge of my own kind of destiny and making my own decisions. But then my dad did pass away when I was 15. And, you know, that kind of obviously marked me to to a degree because, well, I had to step up. You know, I was my mom's, all of a sudden I was my mom's partner and uh, and helper and friend. And, and I was my brother's father, you know, so kind of like um, I had I had that sense of responsibility all, all my life. And um so, you know, I just carried on pushing and, and, and I've always, my mom used to call me and I took it as a compliment <laughs> at the end, which she used to call me a dreamer. And I suppose I am because I'm a visionary and I visualize things, you know, so kind of I, I always dreamt of impossible things or having big houses 
and um, and 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 doing and achieving amazing things. So you know, kind of, uh, I never I never let anything or anyone um, stop me. And and I did realize only with time, you know, my late thirties, when kind of I'd lost, uh, you know, my money twice uh, at the age of thirty eight, first twenty six, then thirty, at thirty eight. That if anything, I, I had a number. Of, I had some resources, and and kind of one of, and it's in my first book, the question. Uh, I'm resilient. I, I I understood and I identified that you know kind of I've got that sense of I have a bad day. It's you know kind of I've been knocked, but I, I would I was I would always see myself like Rambo putting the the knife in my mouth and getting up the next morning to start all over again. You know, and 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 then I've I've also kind of welcome change i've been open to doing different things in, in whatever i just learn it and, and get on with it you know and i didn't spend a lot of time feeling sorry for myself and uh and then and then um yeah reinventing myself you know so kind of revolution so it's it's, it's uh, resilience revolution which is change and reinvention those are kind of the three r's the three r's that i kind of talk talk about in my book but it is based as well also on that which is the book is called the question find your true purpose and, and i believe and i know and I didn't even know that Tony Robbins had said something similar, but Richard Bandler always did, um, which is the quality of your life depends on the quality of the questions you ask yourself. You know, so I would always ask, you know, how can I, how can I achieve this? How can I do that? How can I have an international real estate? How can I, how can I reinvent myself? So I've always asked my myself good, positive, strong questions that would get my my unconscious and subconscious thinking and finding those solutions instead of focusing on on why me. So it's always been I've always been a, a solution driven person. And and I've done that since 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 I know uh, I've been knocked down a few times, Kate. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about those, and if you'd like, uh, Tim Ferriss says something uh, a bit like that, complimentary to that of the, your success or your degree of abundance you have in life, or the amount of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have yourself with yourself, which are actually questions, right? They're questions of getting yourself in something that you don't know, and you actually grow from it. So that's really cool. Where were you born? Both my parents were Spanish. They met in London. I was born in London, son of immigrants, obviously, and I was there till I was nine. So I managed to keep the lingo. Um, I consider myself Spanish. I, I, I was, I've lived all my life in, in Spain, so you know I'm lucky enough to be bilingual. But yeah, I was born in London, moved back to Spain when I was nine, and brought up nearly all my life in in, in Spain. And then, you know, part of Spain. In my, yeah, Spain in Marbella, Marbella, Malaga, a uh, very, very beautiful part of uh, the southern coast, if not the most beautiful, amazing weather. And um, and then, yes, then I worked another 10, 11 years in London, um, you know, after the second real estate crash. So, but brought up in Spain. That That's 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 me. What was your dad like? My dad was, uh, he was a great worker. You know, my dad, uh, he left after the war, as, as many, you know, the first immigrants to go to the UK were the Spanish and the Italians, and he didn't really speak a word of Spanish, of English. Uh, so he was one of the first immigrants there. He got into hotels, so he was a, he was a metro D. He knew everything about wines and, and, and great dining and good food. Uh, so, you know, he, he worked that. And my mum used to cook, so my mum was an amazing chef and both they worked with these or for these very rich, wealthy people. And we were always brought up in these beautiful houses or beautiful homes where my parents worked. And I was part of helping them, even I remember at the age of seven, you know, shining the silver and helping them lay the table. So good, strong workers, immigrants, um, you know, so I've got the work ethic from them without a doubt. I would imagine that having that viewpoint or that perspective, it gave you that vision of how you'd want to have your life. 
Yeah, I mean, I I kind of was lucky to live in Marbella. You know, it's a beautiful place to be brought up. I was, uh, I lived in, a, I, 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 you know, I studied in a great school, and you know, apart from my dad dying young, you know, I, I was very, very lucky. So, but I started working very young. You know, I think the I was I was very keen in getting into the armed forces, uh, being a pilot when I was younger, and and eventually I went to do. I did the army. It was a, it was compulsory. So I went to the army for thirteen months. I was in the military police. Definitely gave me some great discipline and and, and bossiness. Um, but I think um, I think you know um, what what I what I did learn was was obviously those those skills from my parents about working. And what did happen to me is when when the real estate crash happened, the second one, and I literally lost everything, and I had three kids and a home and everything. Um, I had to move to the UK because there was just nothing in Spain for me. You know, it, it was just terrible. So I had to move to London and I became an immigrant. I, I was like my parents, lucky enough, I, I did speak the language. So I felt what they felt like. But obviously, it was much easier for me because, you know, I, I did speak the language and it was a different time. But I, I get to I, I got to feel and I appreciated what immigrants do all around the world, you know, and, and, and in the past, they used to call immigrants conquerors and explorers. And now they call immigrants immigrants, so they try to build walls, you know, to not let them in, even if they're the working force of many countries. Yeah, that's a that's a whole topic by itself. Uh, people that think that immigrants don't add value, they would be losing <laughs> their G, GOP, uh, the GNP, everything. I mean, it's just insane how much we rely on immigrants, and immigrants are hard workers. Immigrants are the people that are innovative. Uh, they create a new efficiency to everything. So, and. Americans don't realize that we all are immigrants. <laughs> well, Just, and if you look at if you look at a country like Spain, Spain has been conquered by so many cultures: the Greeks, the the Moors, you know, the, the Romans, and it's what's brought the, the the richness and the wealth, you know, to to Spain. But Spain's the same. Spain went to South America, and look at what happened, you know, language wise, religion wise, you know. Uh, so it, it's it's that beauty that uh, it's that intercultural global uh, thought of you know we're, we're all one, which is which is a reality really. Amen to that. So uh, when you say the crash in two thousand eight, was it your first or second financial challenge? Yeah, that that was my that was my second. My first one was ninety seven, and then you know then it was in just um, yeah two thousand and eight two thousand nine. Uh, I was thirty eight. I had a big real estate company. I had 25 employees who were selling properties from all over the world. I didn't believe in the real estate crash. I thought it was non-existent. Uh, but I was building some big projects and some big homes and some big houses. So it caught me with literally my pants down. And uh, and I kind of lost everything. So it, it was a lot tougher because, you know, I tasted wealth. And uh, it, yeah, it was, was, it, was it something you could have prevented? I mean, if you had to do over again, would you do something different? Well, yes, I probably wouldn't have risked so much. I wouldn't, you know, but I, I, I should have, you know, hindsight, I shouldn't have risked so much. I had a beautiful home, you know, it was all paid for. I built it. I didn't really need to carry on pushing. You know, I could have, I could have took uh, the pedal, uh, you know, the, the foot off the pedal, but, but I, I wanted to carry on pushing because I didn't really believe it was going to hit us as bad as it did, you know, and it was just a very big global challenge that we all went through. So, yeah, hindsight is it's a great tool, unfortunately. I, well, I didn't. Yeah, unless you're part of building the house of cards, you wouldn't have known it was a house of cards that were going to collapse yeah. <laughs> and fall to that degree. So uh, I don't think anyone could prepare for it. Any, anyone that thought they were preparing for it, the the ripple effect of it uh, gave us all something to think about. I mean, unless you were working for the government, you probably were impacted almost as bad as someone like myself in the pandemic who relied on events for a living. I mean, that was 
likewise. But, you know, kind of, I think even, even now I've learned in these last two or three years, like a lot of us have with the pandemic, I mean, I've kind of, my company disappeared pretty much as well. 90, 100% of our revenue, 95% of our revenue was all through live events. So, you know, kind of, I've learned a lot in this downtime. And obviously if I would, what I know now, as far as investing in stock and, and then what I know now about crypto and a lot of that stuff, if I would have studied or learned those things 20, 25 years ago, I have no doubt I would have been a multimillionaire by now. But, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I've obviously been on a different journey. Yeah, that's, that is the thing about these setbacks is I think they're kind of an awakening for you to find your purpose again or to have gratitude. So um, I can probably safely say if it wasn't for the pandemic that affected 99% of my income, I don't know if we'd be on this call together. I don't know if we'd be working together. I, I pivoted into what I was most passionate about, which was legacy and and um, marketing people that are leaders through books. So I am very honored and privileged to get to know you as a friend and also represent uh, you on some level with your heart and your mind and what you want to do to impact the world. So that part came out of the pandemic for me. Yeah, no, me, me too, me too. I think kind of, I'm, a, I'm definitely a much better man, better person, better individual, um, you know, and 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 also kind of, um, I was sharing this message. Funny enough, when when the just when the pandemic happened, I, I was, I, I remember watching a documentary of the minimalist, you know, kind of of having less, and and for someone that had so much, you know, kind of, I was preaching to the world that we don't need things, you know, kind of, we we, we can really live with less. And I, and I share that story that kind of like, you know, I had all my stuff in a storage unit in LA when I moved back to Europe and three months later, everything disappeared. So literally, you know, I, I only had two suitcases. So the universe heard and it provided, um, but you know, kind of, I'm, I've never been happier. It's, it's never been more fulfilling, easier to live because less is more. But apart from that, you know, I'm just very grateful and, and, and I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that has happened because as they say, you know, things happen for you, not to you. And, and I learn or trying to learn from those lessons. Why is this happening to me now? That's my question. And then, you know, then I, I look at, you know, or why am I meeting this person? So I, I, I'm really good now at connecting the dots and understanding why, why things come to you when they come. You know, I'm thinking of an equation being a, a past physics and chemistry teacher. I can't help but look at things in epiphany uh, type of formulas and, I think what we've mentioned is that when you're risking more, you're technically in a, a state of greed. Even though you have everything you need, you're kind of in a state of greed. And then when you're wasting and you have just so much, you're in a state of gluttony. And so what came to mind to me was the higher your variable of greed and gluttony are, the higher your resilient variable must be. <laughs> because it's inevitable you're going you're gonna to fall. There's, there's no way the continuation of risk. It's like going to a gambling house and rolling the dice and saying, I'm definitely going to keep winning every single time. If you're playing at high risk, there's going to be a time you get hit. Mm. Yeah, and all, absolutely. Every gambler knows there's a time you need to walk away or there's a time you need to pocket your winnings at least so you protect at least some of the stuff that you've won with that risk. So that's what I got out of that. And by the way, I do agree you're a visionary. And I, I call you in secret. You've never heard me call you this live, but I'm doing it live today. You're my visionary loomer. <laughs> yes, I've, I've converted you. I, I know. I know. Yes, you okay. have. I'll tell you my, my ease at communicating with my graphic artist. It, it just doesn't, it blows me away that I was just typing away all these thoughts when I could just say them in a minute or two. So thank you. You know, most of the work, not most, but about 30% of the work I do 
is photography work or photography books or keep smiling books. And so you've made the, the loom process. I, I laugh because you had a technology that anybody should know about. And I'm just so glad. And by the way, my entire, my entire team on my side did not know about it, but my entire team that I was communicating with did know about it. And they never told me to use loom. So I, I, I thought it was too funny. They said, yeah, yeah. That's, what we, that's what we use, Ken. And I was like, okay, cool. So that, that by itself is that, that uh, saying that the difference between where you are today and where you'll be five years from now are the people you meet and the books you read. And so mm. we're going to talk about your book in a second, but in meeting you, you've made my life so much easier with regard to what it is to actually communicate graphics and formatting effortlessly. So thank you. My pleasure. You're welcome. My, I've loomed quite a few people, Ken. Yes. I must inform you. Well, uh, you know, the first time you loomed me, there was gloom. It was gloom. I was like, this loom is gloom. I don't know what to do. And so after I yeah. got with it, I got, I, and, and Al loved, Al loved watching your looms because he got so much clarity. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get a hold of this because it's obviously something that works better. So a little <laughs> shout out to the loom, the loom and the loomers. Yeah. So for yeah. the world, can we share it with them? So Loom, for those of you who don't know, is a software that you can record your screen and share uh, visual images while you're speaking. And so your instructions are more clear and more vivid for people. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't own any shares. I should do because, you know, it would have worked out quite nice for me, but it definitely changed my life. I, I listen, I'm dyslexic. I hate, not that I hate typing and writing, but, you know, I, but this way it's me speaking. There you go. There's a message. There's no confusion. And my tonality, I think, you know, voice is very important. Uh, it makes it a lot more personal. So that's, that's, that's me and Lou. Yeah. Well, also you're dealing with the, uh, the, what is it? The 60% of communication comes from the body language. So you're getting the video, you're getting the voice tonality, and then you're finally getting the instruction, which is ironically the smallest part of it, the, the actual writing of the instruction. So good on you. Good on you. Hey, uh, where are you calling from? I'm in Buenos Aires. Um, I've been here for a few months, nearly four months. Uh, I came in November as well. So uh, just one of those things. I've been a, a nomad for the last three, uh, four years, uh, moving from place to place to place. I literally just put my green screen up and get my camera out and hopefully have a good internet connection and work. And obviously, you know, that happened because of the pandemic, but also because, you know, kind of I love this idea of, of, of you know, instead of staying you know, stuck in one place because I'm not a tree, you know, and I can move. And, you know, my, all my kids have grown up now. And, uh, and um, yeah, so I'm in Buenos Aires at the moment. I'll be here for another week. Then I'm off to Europe and then hopefully back into, into the U.S. Well, we're going to break in about five minutes. And I wanted to give you a, a completion of where we're going to go with the second segment, which is the book and the event. So <clears throat> the best you. Let's talk about your um your vision of that and how it evolved and what caused it to evolve? Well, the best you came from, um, well, first of all, I, I got, I was always very interested in personal development. You know, I loved Brian Tracy. Jim Quick was my god. Um, you know, um, yeah, Jim Ron, Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield, Les Brown, uh, Sharon Lecter, you know, so like a lot of us, you know, I, I was the, one of those listening to the tapes and, and NLP really got my attention. You know, I read a book, which was Change Your Life in Seven Days, which I really loved. And it really got me interested because, well, first of all, a friend of mine was working with him, but also because I found the techniques extremely interesting and fascinating. So I became an NLP trainer. 
I did a prac, master prac, and then I became a trainer. And, um, you know, kind of things happen for a reason. Uh, I finished my training. My real estate was already kind of crashing. I was becoming broke. Um, and um, and I, they gave me an opportunity to start promoting events in London. Although I was living in Spain and it was a big challenge, I decided, you know, to to go for it. And I did. I did. I, I commuted from London to Spain for three years. I left the family there. So Monday to Thursday, I was moving to London, you know, and come back to Spain for the weekend. You know, still I was secure that I could make it work. And and, and I became a, a promoter. I'd never promoted events, but NLP is what got me on, on the path that I am today. And I'm very grateful, obviously, to Richard Bandler. You know, I ended up promoting him for 12 years. We put 25,000 students through through all these trainings that we did for him in Europe, in London. But apart from that, you know, kind of year four, year five, understanding now a little bit of what the personal development world was and what events are, I saw that there was a gap in the market where everyone was doing their own thing, a very fragmented world where, you know, Robert Kiyosaki would do his thing, Tony Robbins would do his thing. And I thought, well, why don't more people get together? You know, hundreds of speakers get together and share their expertise and their knowledge. And that's kind of where I, I started exploring the idea. It started as the best you can be, and then it became the best you. I started with a magazine. I published a magazine for five years, which we literally published monthly with all sorts of great articles, interviews. Simon Sinek was actually one of them. Um, and then I think year two, year three of me running the Best You magazine, I decided to do an expo and bring the live event aspect to it with my knowledge, the limited knowledge I had by then. And it became a big gig. You know, it became first year, 55 speakers, 3,000 attendees, next second year, 110, 6,000 attendees. And then we went up to uh, 120 speakers, 12,000 attendees, and then ended up in London. My last live event was 14,000 people, 180 speakers. So it grew exponentially, um, you know, with with that idea in mind. And and it, I did it in London. In hindsight, I would have loved to maybe, you know, kickstart the whole thing in the US. I think we would have probably taken it to a, a different level. But it, it was just amazing and beautiful to see that so many people carried on coming back and back and back and back. And and I think we could have probably hit 25, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 if we would have carried on for a couple of more years. I moved to the US to carry on running these Best Year Expos, and that was when the pandemic happened. Uh, we had the LA Convention Center with 12,000 people you know, ready to show up. Uh, so that's where it came from, and it came from becoming that conduit for speakers, the coming the place, the, the platform that would allow anyone and everyone that has a message to share. It was very anti-niche. Everyone says, you've got to be niche. No, you don't. Because personally, one of them means many different things to many different people. Some people want to talk about love. Other people want to talk about money. So, you know, the whole idea was really creating a, a platform that was very unique. So our events had 10 stages, all of them going on at the same time. The inspiration zone, you know, hundreds of booths there, people talking about all sorts of things. It was such a great buzz. Um, and I miss amazing. it. And, yeah, but that, that, that's how the best you came, came around. Well, we're going to continue the best you conversation when we come back from break. This is Ken Roshan and Voice America Influencer Channel, and we'll be back in a minute or two. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. 
You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Hi, and you're listening to Amplified Radio Show with your host, Dr. Ken Rashawn, a.k.a. Dr. Smiley. And I'm Dr. Andrea Adams-Miller, the executive producer for Amplified. And we want to remind you to love on our sponsors. That's the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Amplifluence, Perfect Publishing, MyMakeupLady.com, MenFashion.com, Voice America Influencers Channel. And of course, we want to remind you to love on our nonprofit, the Keep Smiling Movement, the KeepSmilingMovement.org. We save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge. Your love, your contributions, and donations help support us helping other people around the world. Back to you, Ken. Well, I want to add the love event as one of our sponsors. I mean, that's the theme of this show love. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the Best You Conference and how big it was getting in the pandemic interrupted what might have been uh, hitting 25, 40,000 people coming to your event, going over 200 speakers, et cetera. Um, with the pandemic happening, what did you learn about that lesson? What, what, what did it cause you to recreate and, and become resilient? Well, it was like, like a lot of us, you know, kind of we had to, um, you know, well, especially if you're in the live events industry, you know, if you sold masks and things like that, well, you know, it was happy days. But uh, for me, uh, it was kind of, well, what do we do now? What do we do next? We really moved very quickly to do the first expo virtually, literally within two months. I had six, eight seminar rooms, you know, kind of we were doing a virtual expo. I really went into that very quickly and, and heavily and strongly because I, I wanted to help and ca carry on you know, providing the service. It wasn't for me, and, and I didn't feel we, we had obviously kind of that level of connection, although we had three, 4,000 people, I think, attend the first one. Um, for me, it came, you know, something that I was talking about for a long time, which was getting the Pest TV up and running, you know. So we had filmed pretty much all the expos. I'd done more than 40, 60 interviews in studios. So kind of we, we launched the Pest TV pretty much within three, four months, and, uh, you know, all our content's there. And, and, I, and I, because even when I did these big events, you know, where we had 14,000 people, I, I still thought I, I hadn't done anything. You know, what have I done? There's 40,000 people. There's billions of people on the planet. You know, we're not scratching, we're not scratching anything. So I, I always thought that we needed to reach more, do more and achieve more. And, and I thought, you know, television was the solutions. You know, how could we stream these events? So hundreds of thousands of people could watch it from the comfort of their home, especially whenever they want to watch it. So that was what we did, and we moved to TV. We've uploaded a lot of content. There's some great shows already on there, you know, from some great experts, and there's so much more coming. And um, and the, and the idea was to stream uh, the events when we did get back to to the rooms to stream them on TV, and that's kind of where we've gone, and that's what we did. But it was it was a, it was a journey of self discovery of my own. You know, my my mum passed away just after 
just at the end of the year, the pandemic, she she got terminal cancer quite quickly. She passed away, luckily, relatively quickly, so she didn't really suffer. Um, and that hit me hard. And then, you know, kind of, I'd already, you know, I finished a, a marriage with my wife, my ex-wife for 30 years. So, you know, kind of, I was going on this journey of how is Bernardo, you know, who is Bernardo? And because for me, it's difficult. You talk about the best you and the crap you. Well, if I want to be the founder of the best you and the one that's promoting to everyone's benefits, well, I can't be the crap you. I can't be the fat you. Excuse me. I, I can't be the obese you. I can't be the one that doesn't exercise you. I can't be the one that doesn't believe in meditation you. You know, kind of like, I, I can't, you know. So for me, it was, well, what do I need to do in order to kind of tap into me becoming the best version of myself? So it was really more about spirituality, exploring kind of how can I elevate my consciousness? What does that look like? How can I talk more about love? You know, and 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 I carry on seeing that it was a missing conversation with many with many people, too much of a private conversation. So I started moving towards that because I was in pain, because I felt lost, because you know, kind of losing everything again. You know, at, at the age of fifty something or fifty. You know, it was just, well, you know, come on, you know, how many times do I have to do this? You know, I start from scratch. So I went through this um, uh, phase where I felt sorry for myself, although I was taking care of myself and exercising and exploring kind of where I was. So I, I spent two, three years kind of on that journey of self-discovery on who is Bernardo and how can he become a better individual? And that's where this this whole idea of love, the love event came from, um, which I felt was the missing conversation because the best you live events wasn't going to happen for a few years and we were moving towards television and I was really interested in exploring who is Bernardo and who can he become what can I do what what haven't I done yet you know how can I reach more people how can I help more people so that that's that's been my quest you know in this in this downtime so are you saying that the pandemic uh, cultivated that conversation that question of creating an event called the love event you wouldn't have done it without the pandemic Yes, it did. You know, it was it was it was breaking up with my with my former wife, and then you know falling in love with someone else, and then we had a beautiful relationship for three four years, and then then we then it, that ended, and uh, then you know kind of my mum passed away, you know, in between that. So it was it was just a time for me to kind of you know just just slow down, stop, pause, think, and uh, you know because I wasn't. I didn't have to be in London, you know, with 20 employees and I didn't have seminars to run and the stress and pressure of running that. So it gave me that that opportunity to really start thinking about love, talking about love. And and I found myself writing more and writing more and writing more. And, and a lot of it was was quite deep and vulnerable, you know, because I did. I, I had to dig deep and, and, and go places where I've never been before and shared things that I never shared before. So, yes, that's where, and funny enough, both things came at the same time. I was thinking of running the love, the, promoting the love event, but I was already writing a book about love. So they both came, came or were born separately, but, but have come together, funny enough. They both meet at the love event, you know, with the launch of the book. Um, I wanted to ask this question earlier, and I don't want to forget to ask it. So in being the best you, you said you asked questions that were uh, made you potentially uncomfortable or caused you to really think outside of who you were, how would you advise our audience to become the best you asking better questions? Well, what happened, Ken, was when when I, the book, my the question was published around four years ago, which was kind of when I finished um, finished this relationship with my, with my ex. I couldn't publish the book because 
I was asking the, the books, obviously packed with questions. You know, I'm asking everyone questions in every chapter. And one of the questions was, you know, what have you not done yet? You know, what's holding you back? Um, what are you waiting for to become happy? Are you happy? You know, so so if you know if if the relationship wasn't an issue or a problem, you know, what would you do if money wasn't a problem? Well, where would you you know where would you be? What would you be doing? So I couldn't publish the book because I wasn't asking. I, I didn't want to ask myself the questions. I knew I had to, and I thought, well, hold on, I can't be the author of the question who's not asking himself the question. So Bernardo, you're incongruent until you ask yourself that, those questions and you get those answers and you take action. You can't really publish it. So it's, it was when I started asking. So there was a lot of things. I met my my ex when I was 15. We got together when I was 19. We had two kids by the age of 26. Then we had three by the age of 27, 28. My dad had died at 15. So I've had that sense of responsibility, staff, team, all my life, events. You know, so kind of like I've always had to carry so many people on my shoulders, so much responsibility. So... I can never be me because I just had all these commitments and people were reliant on me being me or the me that they wanted me to be. So it was only when I decided to ask those questions and take action and, and follow my dreams. And my dreams meant me writing, me meant me traveling, meant me doing new things, meeting new people, traveling to new places. So that's that's when I that's when I really kind of um, took action, moved away. And, and it got me onto where I am now. So, yeah, just asking myself those tough questions that I was asking everyone else to ask. And it brought me where the, I am uh, today. The bee behind you, um, I, I'm guessing that is a little something to do with the best beats. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we did have to do We got an assigned agreement with beats. It's a logo. It's the best you. It's the best you TV brand. Yeah. The best you logo obviously is in different colors. The red one is the, is the, is black and red is the best you TV. Very good. Yeah. I mean, I was very happy that Dr. Dre was, uh, you know, possibly a sponsor of your TV show. Yes, quite rightly. <laughs> well, I am so excited about love and the uh, book and the conversations we had in the beginning about this book coming out. And I'm, I'm holding it right now. And I guess we would like to show the digital as well, but, this is uh, the book that comes out at the love event, at the love event. So, so there's the book right there. So everybody can yep. see that uh, beautiful, beautiful cover. Yeah. Not just a beautiful cover, just a beautiful book. I mean, it's, it's so well done. To and Bernardo, I, ha I have to say uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of authors and the attention to detail that you had in this book certainly justified the uh, 50 or so looms that I received um, to make the book just that much better. And, yes. And uh, it, uh, that's, the, that's, the hashtag, that's the hashtag, sorry, not sorry. With, with <laughs> love, with love. Yes. Well, it was uh, daily communications at times with uh, my team and you and just how we could just tinker it and make it a little bit better. And it really turned in. I mean, it's funny, but your statement about a man evolving is the same statement you made about a book evolving. Your book evolved into, I would call it a masterpiece. It is just a gorgeous book to see that the quality of the cover is indicative of what you're going to enjoy inside the book, the thoughts, the, um, the questions, the exercises, and of course the difference you'll be from the beginning as a reader to who you'll be as the end reader. So Bravo to you. I want you to, uh, 
obviously give our audience as much as you're willing to give of what's in the book, how their lives will benefit, and uh, why you did the book. Just kind of go any direction you'd like of that. Thank you, Ken. And I want to thank you and your team. You you helped me tremendously. You you, you I mean, your team has been phenomenal, to be honest. The, the the way and how quickly we've turned this around, the input, nothing was the problem. Your feedback and, you know, kind of you gave me the idea. I was going for a black or white cover. You gave me the idea. Red loved it. Uh, you also gave me some ideas with the titles. You know, sometimes for those of you or some of us that have written books, sometimes the title is the first thing that comes up. You know what it is. Other times you don't. You need to kind of finish it to see what it what seems right. And I changed this title so many times, and and you gave me the idea of called evolving. You know, kind of uh, we were we were playing around that, and then I think we finally went for a man evolving. It was going to be love evolving as well. Is it more inclusive or less? But yes, hey, guess what? I am a man, and I definitely have evolved. And uh, and the subtitle kind of summarizes the book. It's confessions about passion, monogamy, and broken hearts. And um, the book is is um, it's gone through that process of an introduction and a disclaimer. I, I acknowledge my mistakes as a man. I acknowledge the fact that I kind of, you know, betrayed my ex and, and kind of I cheated on her at some points towards the end of the marriage. And um, and I hurt a lot of people in the process. Um, but on the other hand, kind of like, you know, as I explained before, a lot of the stuff that I did do, was because I was already evolving into being a different person and I was living a lie like many people around many people and many relationships around the world who live lies, who just basically cheat on each other and choose to ignore it. And, and I, I chose to ignore that. And it's not something that I'm proud of, but it's something that I've learned and, 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 and hopefully kind of provide some clarity to other people that one of the most important things in any and every relationship is, is communication. And, uh, and, you know, kind of we, we took a lot of things for granted. I think my ex took me for granted. I took her for granted. But at the end of the day, it was 30 years, you know, and, and one of the things I question in the book is monogamy real anymore. You know, um, is, is monogamy something that is, 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 is a reality? You know, and I think you look at the younger generation of 30 upwards, they would say no. And even marriage means until tomorrow. Or maybe, you know, they, they, they decide to, to remarry every year or they, you know, kind of the world has changed dramatically when it comes down to, to relationships. So I'm simply questioning that. But what I've done in the book is, is I've tried to, first of all, explain my mistakes, my flaws as a man and the things I should have done differently and what I believe people should do to hopefully avoid those same mistakes that I made. But I also talk about love and what is love. And I put some thoughts and poems and I put them into positions kind of like, you know, trying to put everything in context of why these next thoughts are, I'm sharing this. And then I talk about how beautiful it is to fall in love. And I talk about passion and I talk about romance and I talk about, you know, kind of a broken heart. And what does it feel like? Because I experienced all these things. So some of them I lived very deeply. Others were obviously emotions and thoughts that I had, even when I was with my ex, you know, many, many years ago. But it's about being able to express what you feel and being open, you know, and, and I, I think I share in, in the book, one of the quotes is I, I'm saying that vulnerability is like an onion. You know, the more you peel, the sweeter it becomes. Um, and yes, it can bring you tears, but you know, kind of, it's 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 the truth. I think I think I found myself in in becoming vulnerable. I'm Spanish. I'm macho. Um, you know, I'm from Real Madrid. I'm a big football supporter. I can be as man as you want, but I don't have a problem in expressing my feelings. And although I might have had in the past, I'm happy to share them now. And I'm definitely, um, you know more inclined to to put them into words, which is what I did there. So I'm very happy or proud with a lot of the things that I wrote in there. Uh, 
it might not be for everyone, but what it is, it's it's very truthful and it's it's, it's a very honest book. And and um and and I hope, especially men, I hope that especially men consider, you know, kind of um if 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 they are expressing their love, you know, to their loved ones, are they sharing love? Are, are they are they showing it? Are they manifesting it? Are they expressing it as far as writing it down? You know, so at the end of each chapter, with everything that it covers, you know, there's questions to ask them. You know, so obviously those questions will hopefully also be thought provoking. So if they have gone or they are going through either a broken heart phase or falling in love or in love or whatever the phase that they might be. And then obviously, you know, at the end of the book, I talk, I talk about moving on. And then I talk about thoughts on my mind, which is kind of like a general flow of us becoming better individuals. And, and then I talk about the aspect of, of love as becoming kinder individuals, about elevating our consciousness. And that's where it's linked very much to the love event, where, you know, kind of I, I'm with love. There's a lot of people in the personal development world that focus too much on the money and, and, and making sure that they they share their techniques and knowledge and wisdom, but I don't see any love in it. Love in how they deliver it and love in inserting the messages of love. Hey, listen, you become a great social media expert, but guess what? Put some love out there, you know, 10% more love. Do something that helps the world become a better place. There's just too much division in the world now. There's, there's just too much polarity, you know, and, and there's too much, there's too many things that are just not acceptable anymore. Uh, so, you know, we have to find what brings us together. And obviously what I share in the book, and I finish with this, is that at the end of our lives, uh, at the end of, the, of our lives, that, that there's only going to be, you know, two things that we hopefully had was health in order to live a good life, but also that we have loved, uh, that we are surrounded by loving people. The rest is completely immaterial. Everything that we tend to accumulate, everything that we pursue, everything that we chase is not worth anything if if, if you don't have love if you can't share love and if you can't talk about love so why wait why wait for that terrible news to come through the door the doctor tell you hey you got six months to live or or whatever it may be for all of a sudden you know your priorities change my question is why wait why not now well my next questions and points could lead to us going dramatically over on this show so i'll just say that i'll be pointing with my next points and i would ask that you do as well so we can get to rapid fire so first of all i'd like to say that i applaud you that this book is actually perfect for women because every woman that loves a man, this is the book that they could give their, the person they love. They can give this as possibly one of the biggest gifts they give themselves because having a man evolve and awaken to expressing love is actually a gift he, she's giving herself. That's one. Um, number two is uh, your short answer as much as possible. Um, do you believe there is a, a there is monogamy possible. Well, so with the first I'm not talking one, about a small fraction. I'm talking about as as a way of living. Well, first of all, I want to agree that I, I think the book that there's a section that talks about you know, and I talk about women in general. So I, I think I think it is a book. Hopefully that because it is quite romantic. Hopefully a lot of women feel connected to the book as well because it is an only for men. Um, I, I do believe that monogamy is possible. I, I think that you know it might be. I, I'm I'm still I still believe that I'm a monogamous person. But I also believe that, you know, kind of when you get together with someone, it doesn't have to be forever. It can't be realistically forever. So I just think it's just renewing those vows and having good open communication. But but I believe that, you know, younger generations probably don't believe in monogamy much, you know. I'm well, I, I will that. say that, uh, again, as an equation coming to my mind, the higher the growth factor is for both parties in a monogamous 
relationship, the more they're growing together and learning from each other. So they actually benefit from that growth. And when one is going a direction at a very high acceleration rate and the other one is stagnant, you are exactly right. The monogamous equation becomes a bit futile and, mm. and difficult to, to maintain. So that, that is my two cents on that. And then the last part, the last thing I'd like to ask you in a poignant way is what is love? Funny, I've written so many things about love. I, I think love is is love first starts uh, with yourself. I, I think love is is appreciating. Love is gratitude. Love is is appreciating everything that you have, everything that everyone that's that's around you that that you can embrace and that embraces you. Love is is appreciating the world and everything that that we are provided. You know, love, love is everywhere, and and I just think that kind of we just have to feel it more and share it more, express it more, talk it more. And, and that's kind of what I hope happens from, from the book. You know, your book reminds me of just the movie Love Actually. It's, it's just the different angles and looks at how love exists in the world. So bravo to you on that. Um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll move to rapid fire. But uh, if, you have, if you were to put your hands on a short poem that you wanted to read, an excerpt from the book, if you wanted to, I would um, want to share with the audience just a small piece from the book. Would you like to do that? Uh, yes, uh, I'm not prepared, but uh, let me just. Um... If so, we do rapid fire, he could be pulling it. Yes, yeah, so you can pull it up while I ask you a rapid fire question. Um, okay. okay. Besides this, besides this book, what book changed your life? Well, I, I think um, I think uh, it would definitely change your life in seven days because it put me on a path that uh, took me to I think where I am today. Yeah, don't, so, don't worry about elaborating. I, the reason why was we have five questions. We want to get them all out to you. So um, go ahead. Thank you, Life in Seven Days, Paul, Paul McKenna. Yeah, thank you. And Andrea? Um, what's a song you play to get you jazzed up and moving? Uh, Gregory Porter uh, is, is a song. Is, is um, Oh, my God. Uh, I'll have to pass. I'll give you the title. In a well, we'll, we'll give the link later. Okay, what's yeah, a movie okay. that inspires he's you? He's looking that up right now, so he's he's multitasking. There. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. The uh, the movie a movie. Um, I think you know, kind of. I, I'm a bit old school with these. I, I love I love The Godfather and a lot of films like that. You know, kind of um, anything that has to do with with kind of life in general, as real and and raw as it gets. Oh, when you said uh, you were the Spaniard, I thought you were going to say Gladiator. <laughs> no, I don't like that. All right. Oh. And uh, who's who's your hero? My mom was my hero. My mom was my hero. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man as well. You know, a Marvel one. Well, of course. Of course. Who would you want to meet that you haven't met? I think I'd like to meet um, the Dalai Lama. Yes, definitely. That's a good one. That's a great one. And my final question, and if you have your uh, poem handy, um, my final question to you is, what quote do you live by? Well, it's funny enough, one of the ones I've always lived by is all or nothing. Uh, I, I don't know anything in between. I either go all in or I just go all out. So that that's kind of what I've always believed in. So so I've always that's been normally all in, but it's all or nothing. Yeah, that's so kind of while a... Bernardo is pulling his um, quote. I've got okay. it. I've got it. I wanted to oh, give good, you a good. I was going to do the sponsors. Okay. The, the, the Gregory, I've actually, the, the, song, the song, and I actually love it because I think it's so linked to the book, If Love is Overrated. By Gregory Porter. Uh, I, I love that track. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. If love is overrated, very aligned with the book. And yes, the, the poem, I have it here. Um, it's just a simple one uh, where I kind of talk about my mum. 
I touch my skin to feel you. I look into my eyes to see you. That is beautiful. Well, this uh, show is about amplifying leaders that inspire the world and create community. And you have been amplified, Bernardo Moya. And we are so excited that you spent an hour with us that we get to uh, relish and be a part of your vision and parentheses loom of your love event. So I um really looking forward to where this book takes us and how this book actually makes a, a difference in people that are confused about love and also confused about how to communicate and create a relationship they love. So um, I'm going well, to turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you for the opportunity, Dr. Andrea. Thank you so much for having me here today. Loved it. Oh, and how do people find out about The Love Event? We need uh, we need that link, please. Yes, www.theloveevent.com. There's some free online tickets. Just go to the page. We've got thousands and thousands of people uh, attending. And we've got some phenomenal speakers and panels. It's going to be really, really exciting. Very good. Andrea? And uh, congratulations to you, Ken. You'll be sharing. Do you want to share the topic you're going to be talking about? Oh, no, I want to keep it a secret. Oh, okay. They so have to Ken. be at the event. There's okay. no teaser here. <laughs> and and I'm also speaking at the event and I'll be talking about intimacy and relationships. So, um, so we'll, we'll uh, love on you guys all a whole bunch of different ways. So we uh, want to thank our sponsors, the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America Influencers Channel, Perfect Publishing, Amplifluence. And uh, who am I forgetting? Menfashion.com and MyMakeupLady.com. And we want to remind you to love on the KeepSmilingMovement.org, where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge. Your volunteerism, your contributions and donations help uh, help us save lives literally and figuratively. So uh, please reach out to us at the KeepSmilingMovement.org. And back to you, Ken. So if you are looking for more love in your life, I highly recommend you attend the event. It costs you nothing, gives you everything, just like love. And the other part is when you are buying this book, we'd like you to consider buying the book on September 9th and sharing it on social media and let the world know that love is what makes the world go round. So be a part of the love by being an evolving man, sharing it with people that actually will benefit from the book and read it yourself and be inspired. So until next week, stay amplified. Hope to see you at the love event. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.